Hello, and welcome to the Travel Japan with Wes Mather podcast. In this series, we explore living, working, studying, and of course, traveling in Japan. I hope to inform you on how to travel smart, safe, and with confidence, all while hopefully having an amazing time abroad. Everything you hear will be based off of my personal experiences, research, and experiences of others that I know. I'm your host, Wes Mather, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening, and now let's begin. Hello, and welcome to the Travel Japan with Wes Mather podcast, season one, episode 11. Here we discuss culture of Japan and traveling, living, working, and studying in Japan. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I am very much passionate about that is food. Food of Japan, differences between food in Japan and America, and things that I personally enjoy or was surprised from. But before that, we welcome our co host, Brandon Bates. Hello, Brandon. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, man. I know it's been a while since we've come out with an episode, but just happy to hear that you made it back to the US for the short visit. You're going to be here safely. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Hopefully, we can get you back over there to Japan soon. Correct. That is the game plan. And yes, it has been a hot second since we have posted the last podcast. So thank you so much for our listeners for your patience. And today, like our other episodes, we are going to be kicking off our show with the news. We have our、um, first topic, which is fairly heartwarming, actually. An anonymous donor donates bags of actual cash to local schools in Nara Prefecture. And、um, this is. Upwards,、uh, this is just below $100,000 of cash to three separate schools、um, an elementary school, two elementary schools, and then a middle school around the Nara Prefecture.、Um, apparently, this individual just briefly spoke, says, set,、uh, dropping off these bags of cash, saying, Please use this for the children,、um, and then leaving, disappearing into thin air.、Uh, he was described as an elderly man, roughly in his 70s, and、uh, this is a touching show of generosity. And、it's mysterious to say the least, and overall, it's not the first time that this has happened、uh, recently in Japan.、Um, not、um, as recently as last December, somebody dropped off、uh, similar mysterious bags of actual physical cash,、uh, ranging for about $282,000、um, to various schools around、uh, also Nara City and、uh, a bordering prefecture. So it's an amazing, generous. Show of kindness, it leaves a lot of the school officials with a lot of questions, and、um, it's something that I haven't heard much before in、um, news in other countries, which is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool for sure.、Um, it's something,、uh, what was it, in 60s anime protagonist,、uh, it's like an, an, an、yeah. influ- encouraged or influenced off of that. Uh, where they had like a, a、yeah. professional wrestler known as Tiger Mask who would do that. Yeah.、Um, exactly. And、uh-huh. after that kind of like started in the 1960s、uh, based off of an anime, it actually became like a legit real life thing that like started happening. Yeah. And it always seems to be anonymous. Like no one knows who's doing this. If it's just like random rich guys when they retire donating some of their money, <laughs> or if it's like a,、right. a group for like a, some corporate. Entity trying to like help out the locals. Who knows? You know? Yeah, no, exactly. Nobody knows. And yeah, that's so true. Actual anime from the 60s, pop culture influenced these actual acts of kindness, which I find very interesting. Some of these school officials、uh, have said that they find it a little bit too mysterious.、Um, they say it's kind of scary that somebody with such excessive amounts of cash would not want to go through the proper channels. Uh, that do exist to donate to these schools. Some speculate that there might be involvement in、um, kind of shady ways of obtaining the cash that they don't want to trail back to them,、mm-hmm. or that maybe they don't want their identity to be known for nefarious reasons. However, most are just happy for、um, the donations, especially due to 
you know, such trying times during the pandemic for many schools. And uh, I guess the words from the mysterious elderly gentleman in December did uh, say to donate the cash towards uh, COVID preventative measures. And it was kind of a response to the pandemic affecting a lot of these school systems in Japan. So yeah. that's basically all for that one. Short and sweet and mysterious. So I think also I, uh, <laughs> on that subject real quick mm-hmm. is like there's also the possibility of it being Yakuza. You know, because one of the first yeah. people to, it, before the government was even there to help out during the, the uh, tsunami at Fukushima, was the uh-huh. Yakuza. Yakuza showed up and helped out with the cleanup and funding people to get back on their feet and all of that, um, which is crazy. I know. Yeah. They got there before the government to help out. In a way, I think it's. Uh, Maybe they're trying to launder some money out. Maybe they're just genuinely trying to help the community. <laughs> Maybe they're just trying to show the community that they are just as humble as the government at times in need. Who knows? But yeah. there's a possibility that that could also be the situation. So that's all I wanted to say. That is very interesting. <laughs> no, I feel that. And yeah, Yakuza or the organized crime families of um, Japan have been known to do that, showing up immediately after disasters to help the community, their communities. Mm-hmm. And that is an interesting thing. It, uh, some say it is a factor to launder money or to help their public image. Um, you know, when the police cracks down on them to make anti-organized uh, crime laws less popular. And some say it is just genuine care that they have for the community. So that is a, another cool side fact that would be interesting to dive into in another time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. And What do we got next, Brandon? Um, it looks like super mario world opened up grand opening uh what was it like four days ago and uh, i've definitely been looking forward to talking about this more since we discussed it on a previous episode but yeah looks like they opened up people are riding the rides um there's some serious covid measures only half of the um standard like capacity of the the um theme park is going to be available for people to go into i believe you have to make reservations as well in advance to be able to go in but yeah they got it's so cool they got all the super mario uh mascots dancing you know jumping around having a good time um and Uh all the rides that we discussed before how especially that ar super mario kart you and I were like, dude, I don't know how that's going to be. But now right. we got people reviewing it and explaining it. And they're like, it is wild. So I am I really, <laughs> really want to do that. I think you said you read a sign on there, too, for like the roller coaster rise. That was kind of funny. Uh, what did that say? Yeah, yeah. So some of the COVID preventative measures, of course, um, are everyone has to have masks and hand sanitize their hands when they enter the theme park and get their temperature taken. But there's also signs in, from the, in front of uh, the roller coasters urging uh riders not to scream it says please don't scream and my favorite part is it says please don't scream but you can scream in your hearts you can scream in your hearts (laughs) great advice don't open your mouth don't scream even if you're wearing a mask (laughs) yeah keep it to yourself about the translation because it sounds a little bit terrifying actually being told to scream in your heart from a theme park sign but hey you know exactly if it stops if it's for safety then i'm all for it I will scream <laughs> internally on these rides if I get the chance scream to check internally. out this theme park. Man, imagine yeah. imagine having your kids sitting next to you and you're on this ride and they start to scream. You're like, hey, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care that you're sick. Right? Stop it. It's against the rules. I don't want to get bizarre, kicked out of Super Mario yeah. World. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. 
What a bizarre time to be a child in this world. Yeah, it does look like it does look like um on a roller coaster. They, it does look like Nintendo is planning on opening up a Super Nintendo World in California, uh, Singapore, and Florida yes. as well. Um, but Fantastic. they're going to be delayed until roughly 2025 because of uh, the pandemic. But they don't even know entirely if they're going to mm. be open by then. But it does look like it is pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, since Japan's borders are still closed, not too much international travel is going to be able to experience the theme park. Um, but, I mean, mm. you'll get to if you want to. It's in Osaka. so <laughs> That is correct. When you make your I'm way back over that, there. I may very well do that. And you can rest assured that I will share that on all my platforms. Uh, anyone looking to see what I'm doing at home. It, the videos look amazing. It just looks like I can't comprehend that it is a physical place. It just still looks like it's uh, CGI. It looks like it's a 3D <laughs> structured world. It's it's beautiful it's is amazing. what it is. That's it's mm -hmm. all it's just beautiful. Right. I want to eat all the yeah. food that's there too. Game. Like all of the theme like Super Mario theme inspired foods. I, oh, I yes. wonder how it much amazing, of it is right? mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> probably a fair amount actually I'll have to investigate that <laughs> yeah you'll probably be able to buy like a uh, mango pond that is shaped like a star you know oh I'm about stuff that stuff like that it's making me hungry <laughs> yeah very cool yep I think that wraps up uh, Super mm. Nintendo sorry Nintendo World so yeah um, if you wanna yeah what, what do we got next we have a much heavier topic. A magnitude 6.9 earthquake hits northern Japan. I'm going to preface this by saying that no one was uh, fatally injured. There have been multiple injuries and structural damage. However, uh, it has not been a fatal earthquake. This does come after a fairly recent earthquake too, just a week ago, that um, shook northern Japan. So they're, um, they're having a rough march without a doubt. However, this one, uh, there was... A tsunami generated from it that was about a meter tall, and there was an evacuation me uh, measure placed on 11,000 residents, uh, coastal residents, in the Miyagi Prefecture. However, that evacuation order was shortly lifted, and as far as news goes now, about a day later, there are no fatalities from this earthquake, which is, in the end, uh, good news. It looks so, like the only real structural damage that was caused by the quake was the, a fire that broke out and was very mm. soon extinguished by the local fire department. So that, that's good. Uh, although yeah, that's, that's intense. It's terrifying. 6.9 to a, possibly a 7.3. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's that's uh -huh. intense. I can't even imagine. It's hard for me to imagine. Exactly. That's it. It's hard for me to imagine what that's like. Just having the earth you, that is supposed to be, you know, your foundation for life shaking so violently. That's wild. I mean, you experienced earthquakes yourself while you were there, and I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you've all experienced like uh -huh. mild ones. So, like, what's what's probably the highest strength earthquake that you probably uh, experienced yourself? Uh so there was a 6.0 earthquake in Osaka when I was one city over in Kyoto. So I only felt like um the outer the outer ring of the effects of the earthquake, but it was still enough to you know knock over some coffee cups. And uh, I had been fairly conditioned at that point to just always remember that there are very strict uh, architectural codes in place mm -hmm. in Japan ever since like the 1980s so that I shouldn't be too worried about earthquakes. And all my friends were with me, which was great, and they were going about business as usual. Uh, but still, you know, coming from a place where I had not been preconditioned to experience earthquakes on a monthly basis, it was still shocking to me. L small earthquakes, I'm pretty conditioned at this point to even sleep through just to kind of like, I don't know 
just keep scrolling on my phone when the smaller earthquakes take place. This is, by the way, is not advice for anybody, just, you know, the reality of my time in Japan. <laughs> but, um, that one was pretty wild. Yeah, f- and just the reality of how scary it can be. I, f- I feel like if I was in time. a, like, one of the shrine temples as a tourist, and one of those hit, being a building obviously mm-hmm. over a thousand years old, I probably would have soiled myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm on the same page there. I'm on the same page. Because <laughs> there are some shrines and some temples that... Um, when earthquakes hit, they they do crumble and they just fix them every time it happens. You know, yeah. Like the outside uh-huh. stone walls, they'll collapse, and then they're like, "All right, well, we can't let this look this way because it's a lot of the tourism that comes to mm. this area." So they just fix these old shrines over and over and over again, and they're historical sites, so you have to. But yeah, uh, I think that's everything in regards to the news. Did you want to move on to the topic of the day, food? Yes, food. Here we go. And um, it's a lovely topic. Uh, I'm going to start out by talking about uh, how different Japanese food was from my experience. And not only the traditional Japanese food called washoku, but also the foods that Japan adopts from all different countries and cultures and kind of makes it their own um, called yoshoku. So these are the two main categories of food in Japan. It's often a point of conversation uh, what you want to eat, you want to have more traditional Japanese food or yoshoku is borrowed food um, and I love both of them. I'm gonna start off with talking about washoku, the traditional food, and key elements that make traditional Japanese food so uh, key to that island in specific and how you can see some of these effects on foods you may be familiar with from your home country. Here we go, I'll try not to get too hungry with this. <laughs> I'm already hungry thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel the right. Well, so traditional Japanese food is actually usually made up of multiple dishes and I was talking to a Japanese friend recently uh, who came to America and visited for about 2.5 years as a student and he said that was one of the things that hit him immediately was not only the portion sizes uh, of American food being much larger, which I will get into later, but um, food on in American dishes being mainly served on one plate or a single dish combined together, whereas traditional Japanese food is actually usually multiple dishes served on multiple plates. There's a word for this called Ichiju Sansai, which kind of means like one soup, three side dishes. And uh, a lot of these traditional meals do comprise, do consist of usually miso soup and rice, which is the one soup part. And then um, they build off of that with uh, soba, uh, ramen, which many may be familiar with, with uh, sashimi, raw Japanese, raw fish, served in Japan, uh, yakisakana, which is grilled fish, a lot of pickled vegetables, and um, so on and so forth. And this is kind of all served uh, together on different plates, often in smaller portion sizes to create a balance Um, a balance of not only nutrition and flavor, but also often um, of color. Uh, Like the way the aesthetic of food in Japan has evolved is also very important to how many meals of washoku or traditional Japanese food is served now. And that is also something that was striking when I first went to Japan. Presentation is key. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I've heard the phrase like you taste with your eyes first. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then your nose second. (laughs) Oh, that's key. Yeah. Without a doubt. No, and I feel it. And even like the most affordable, uh, simple things I thought to order were served with like a great presentation. And I remember having a conversation when I first went to Japan too, uh, that the, f- the food that was served to me so often looked so much like the photos, which is not always the case sometimes mm-hmm. when you order something uh, based on its photo. So that was great. Um, my personal feeling about so many of these meals, the washoku traditional Japanese food, uh, I love it. Um, and specific sushi, I know raw fish is something that is not inherently uh, served or eaten in the West. It is prepared very much in a way that makes it safe from any sort of parasites or any sort of diseases that 
uh, cooking the food would usually solve. So the safety element aside, I have become a huge fan of sushi. And I know sushi, of, of course, is very popular in America um, and the West too. So this isn't new news to everybody, but um, sushi is so accessible, so fresh and so cheap in Japan, which I very much love. And that is a staple of washoku or traditional Japanese food. Yeah, I can tell you right now that even though I live in Ohio, I'm nowhere near the ocean. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to eat sushi. I don't care. You know, like... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's so good. So good. Right? I'm a fan and a half. And I know we talked about this before too, but it's strange because the way that American has adapted sushi um, is something that I actually come to miss. When I'm living in Japan, I miss some of the uh, sushi that America makes. And some of my Japanese friends say it's not sushi so much, but they like it also. And I'm just talking about like... Starting from the California roll, yeah. which was not traditional sushi, just the wide variety of wild, um, adventurous rolls wrapped in cucumber with lemon and jalapeno Avocado. and stuff like that in America. Yeah, uh-huh, which I'm a fan of. And that avocado, exactly. Yeah. And that does also lead me into talking about yoshoku um, and the adaptation of foods from other cultures. Just like you all might be familiar with how America has taken sushi and kind of adopted it to maybe meet some more um, American palates. Uh, the same thing is done in Japan with almost every kind of food you could imagine. Uh, so something, let's start with a uh, hamburger. Uh, hamburgers are all over Japan, but initially uh, hamburgers were thought to not be very marketable with the bread. So they just went into serving the straight hamburger uh, because Japanese uh, beef has always been marketed as a very quality uh, substance, as a quality food and they didn't really want to put it in like a sandwich initially so they would market just the burger just the patty and it's called hamburger and now if you want to go out to get a actual hamburger uh you say hamburger and then the just the burger is hamburger uh i love both of them they do have a different flavor and presentation and you can see how what i talked about the traditional japanese food uh presentation and uh different meals being adapted into this too because you get served the patty of meat which is really good and delicious always and then you often get served uh like a small portion of french fries and pickled vegetables on the side and it is kind of like um a full meal in a it's it's uh in its own too with a balance of vegetables and stuff but in the middle instead is the hamburger in america if you ask for a hamburger mm -hmm. without bread then it's automatically assumed that you think you're (laughs) gluten-free so in Japan, it's just they know yeah. their food is better. Their meat is just <laughs> way more superior, which it is. You know, you got Wagyu yeah. beef. You got uh-huh. the best beef that exists on this planet. Mm. That delicious marble yeah. fat inside that, you know, perfect red meat. And yeah, yeah Japan has better cows than us. We, we over populate and over steroid and farm the crap out of cows in probably the worst ways possible in America. Mm. It's unfortunate. So, yeah, Yeah. that's why we put buns on our sandwiches so that we don't think (laughs) about the flavor in between. (laughs) Oh, man. I never thought of it like that. But no, you, yeah, and all that being said, that the hamburgers usually are a bit more expensive in Japan. Not to talk too much about hamburgers on a segment about Japanese food, but um, and then you know hamburgers like you know you can go to McDonald's, 
and uh, they have burger places in Japan all over where you can get a, uh, you know, a burger that you would be more used to. Although the McDonald's and my favorite burger place in Japan, Moss Burger, do have burgers you would also most likely not be used to, like uh, shrimp burgers or rice burgers, mm. which is in fact, uh, the bread is replaced with rice, and then usually there's a, a hamburger or a, a barbecued beef, Look, there needs to be uh, more American restaurants <laughs> that offer that. Like, imagine going yeah. to a Japanese restaurant in America, and instead of getting uh-huh. traditional Japanese style food, they also had hamburgers with rice buns on the menu. Dude, that'd be fire. Yes. That'd be so good. I love it. They are good. Yeah, just like grilled compressed rice in a patty. Um, it was more easy to eat than I thought. I imagined it falling apart. It was nicely compacted rice, and it's great. I love the shrimp burgers too. Um, as many people would imagine, uh, with pizza, with burgers, with many meals adopted from uh, other cultures, seafood is also incorporated incorporated into these meals more often than you would often see in the West because of the prevalence of seafood on uh, in an island country. So you have seafood on pizza, you have seafood in burgers. Um, ramen actually is not a traditional Japanese meal. This is also considered yoshoku. Uh, it's adopted from China. Uh, although many Japanese people will say there's a very distinct Japanese ramen uh, flavor as yeah. well. And there's often seafood uh, put into ramen as well too. Although I'm not sure if that's if that was a thing before it was adapted from China. I might have to look more into that. But yeah, I do very much enjoy seafood, and uh, that is something I can have a lot of in places I'm not used to it in Japan, which is nice. Do we talk about some the differences in like food sizes essentially? Because like at McDonald's, they have like different portions, and even a chain restaurant, right? In comparison to the U.S. Yeah, very much so. So all these foods that are adapted to fit marketing in Japan and uh, a more Japanese acceptable or a taste that's more recognized and comfortable for people in Japan. Also, another adaptation is the portion mm-hmm. size. Um, like I said, traditional Japanese food, uh, washoku, is traditionally more smaller portions of multiple different things. And uh, this being said, um, having a, a huge, or I'll just say an American-sized burger or American-sized meal is not immediately something that would be marketable uh, to in Japan the same way. So I was surprised when I first went to Japan that uh, all the food sizes were smaller. Uh, the hamburgers are smaller, and the biggest thing I saw was the drink sizes. And um, just the numbers here, a McDonald's large size drink in Japan is 650 uh, milliliters, where in the US, it is 950 millimeters, um, yeah, which is a lot. considerable difference. And yeah, that doesn't even uh, bring in Burger King has a larger large size that is uh, 1,200 milliliters of soda, which is almost double what the large size in Japan is. Yeah, I'm sure it took you a while to like curve your appetite to, you know, portion sizes yeah. in Japan compared to what you were used to eating in America. I think Americans just eat more than it's necessary uh-huh. in general, and moving mm-hmm. somewhere that is traditionally less is more for you in the long run. Like, yeah, uh, I'm sure that took you a while to get used to. Yeah, that is a. Uh, it's a very good point, and it and it did. When I first went to Japan, I was. When I, let's say again burgers <laughs> not that you back know, to hamburgers I eat that many burgers I swear we're talking about Japan yeah, food, I did. guys I swear <laughs> right so so Moss Burger my favorite burger place chain burger place in Japan has amazing burgers but they're small so when I first went there I would start ordering two of every burger and they kept setting the place sizes that they would set you know the placemat for two people expecting a guest <laughs> or a date or something to join me and then I would just sit there by myself eating both meals <laughs> by myself and 
moving on but i did eventually adapt to uh the portion sizes the portion sizes in japan and now when i come back to america oftentimes i find it difficult to finish uh the full meals um that are served to me here in america which is fair it's Wes, yeah. when i come visit you i'll order two patties <laughs> you order two patties and they'll just set four plates sounds like a plan <laughs> i'm excited i'm very excited we'll go all out we'll make a video about that too and I think we did discuss before too, uh, kind of speculating that marketing in America for food probably does play a big factor into how the portion sizes are pretty, pretty big. Even for, you know, global standards, I think American food sizes, portion sizes are larger than much of what is expected in many European places as well. Um, just how they, they feel like marketing more food is a better way to sell more food uh, because people might be thinking it's a yeah. cost effective choice when really you're paying for food you might not need. I know you can buy like 10. Yeah, yeah. you go through a drive through How many times have you seen, oh, this medium is, you know, only 10 cents more than the small, but the large is only 20 cents more than the medium. Mm. You know, yeah. the initial cost of the small is $2 for a drink, but just to upgrade it to the largest portion is only 20 something cents exactly. more. Exactly. You know, it... And it makes it really difficult, in my opinion. I think people are just tricked subconsciously into thinking, oh, well, I'm getting a bigger bang for yeah. the buck. Well, just because you're saving money to get a larger portion doesn't mean you need that larger portion. Get the smaller portion regardless. Yeah, you know? uh -huh. exactly. Uh, how many times have you in America eaten yourself to the point of uncomfortably full <laughs> almost all the time yeah. for almost every meal? Uh -huh. You know, Even meals that you make for yourself at exactly. home. Uh, if you portion your food out properly throughout the day you just eat to a point where you feel content not full mm -hmm. content and it's so much healthier for yeah. you in the long run yeah i feel it is very healthy and i have again just like i haven't seen that kind of marketing in japan that is just my personal experience i haven't read anything about that or learned that from a class or anything but i haven't seen you know like uh now we have 10 chicken nuggets for three dollars or something like that uh i don't see marketing of food um like that too much in japan even in fast food industries and another healthy thing i think people do in japan for food is um food is often a very social thing in japan so people often eat a bit more slowly because it is a social activity more so whether you're eating with your family or oftentimes with uh they have your coworkers or uh you would go out to get food with your uh students in your class or something like that so that is something that i have read about um japanese culture regarding food honestly um, a large reason why I switched to using chopsticks mm. for a majority of my meals years ago is because I eat slower with chopsticks. Oh, that's amazing. It's healthier for you because you, you tend to chew your food more thoroughly mm -hmm. and you eat a little bit slower than you would if you were to use a fork or a spoon. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was taught to me by uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine who was from Malaysia who was teaching me how to eat with chopsticks whenever I was in middle school. You know, I was young no way, yeah. when we were dating for a few years. And she was teaching me, like, table etiquette and stuff so I could meet her parents mm. and all that. You know? Yeah. And when she was teaching me how to use chopsticks, she, I was like, how can you use these? This would take me forever to eat my meal. <laughs> She's like, that's kind of the point. Interesting. Uh, if you, you'll eat, you eat slower if you use chopsticks than you would a fork. Um, she, mm. she made a joke that... Um, most people who use a fork tend to be fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, in layman terms, but uh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> that is very insightful. But 
Yeah, and it's kind of funny too. Uh, I've I find myself in almost every situation when I go out to eat uh-huh. with friends or family. I'm always the last person to finish my meal. Respect. Like I, I, by a long by a long shot uh-huh. too. Everyone's done eating. Their plates are stacked at the end of the table, and I'm still sitting there halfway done with my bowl. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I think that's a good way to, to go uh, health wise as well as just enjoying your food too. I like that a lot. Yeah. Enjoying your food, enjoying the presentation, the the flavor and everything. Yeah, I I think that's a nice way to to be so um did you want to maybe talk about japanese food in america and vice versa yeah a ton actually that'd be great um and i'd actually like to ask you about this um I, if you go out to have mm-hmm. japanese food in america too some things you find are popular or um some things you particularly enjoy that are marketed in america from japan yeah, absolutely yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of japanese restaurants everything from hibachi grills to Mm -hmm. sushi bars etc especially the more you're closer to cities like where i live you're going to see more options for it and in my personal opinion uh, at least over here in the midwest Mm -hmm. to the east coast it's more commonly that Chinese families own Japanese restaurants. Oh, it's actually uh-huh. not Japanese people. Interesting. Uh, for instance, I went to a Japanese sushi bar that's relatively new uh-huh. in my neighborhood uh, a little bit ago with my brother-in-law. And yeah. uh, this had been a couple of weeks ago. We just wanted to check it out. And both his girlfriend and or his wife and my girl don't like sushi that much. Mm-hmm. So whenever we get the chance to go get it together, we just go ourselves. Very nice. So, <laughs> uh, so we, we go get some sushi and uh, um, the lady who was behind the bar talking to the host, uh, they were speaking in foreign language and he was like, oh man, hey, you're practicing Japanese. Uh-huh. Why don't you practice with them? And I was like, I would if they weren't speaking Mandarin. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for me to get the most authentic Japanese food, it's for me to go to a Japanese marketplace and get it made at the deli that's the, at the deli that's there. Um, there's a Japanese marketplace here that's called Tensuke mm-hmm. in Columbus. Yeah. Um, they have phenomenal food. They make fresh sushi, giri, everything from scratch every single day. Uh They don't have anything that's more than a day old on the shelves that's, uh, you know, fresh fish. Yeah, that sounds Um, amazing. And they have uh, so so much uh, when it comes to options for imported goods that you just couldn't get anywhere else, Uh at least in Ohio. Like, I can't find a lot of good uh, Japanese products anywhere but Tensuke. Interesting. Um, if I want to get like a proper bento box, I go to Tensuke. Nice. If I want to get genuine soy sauce, I go to Tensuke. If I want to get a variety of ramen that's probably a lot healthier for you than what you get at uh, Kroger, I go to Tensuke. Oh. <laughs> you know, if I want to practice some of my input and output method with my Japanese learning um, and speaking, uh-huh. I go to Tensuke so I can speak to some people there because it's, very it's nice. very it, almost all of the Japanese population that's in Columbus tend to shop there they have a line out the door oh wow literally a line out the door almost every day that I go there so that's very interesting yeah I like that a lot it's pretty cool heck yeah and then I've seen uh it's pricey it's pricey uh, but uh-huh. it's worth it yeah I remember um going to a Japanese supermarket with my friend visiting from Osaka in Los Angeles too and they they said almost everything was there too except for uh the prices were almost double for some of the bento boxes and such mm-hmm. and some of their favorite uh alcoholic beverages were also not available and I looked into it later it's because of the uh legality about marketing uh beverages that looks that are too high in an alcohol percentage and also fruity 
so mm-hmm. they could be consumed or uh-huh. might be marketed to kids. Uh, which they have that a could lot also of. just genuinely be a California state law as well. You know, I know like state laws vary quite a bit when it comes to what type of liquor can be imported. You know? uh, I see that could I, that could be the case. I think California is pretty strict with that sort of thing. And yeah, there's Chuhai is a pretty popular Japanese, uh, um, basically mixed alcoholic drink like a juice, a juice or a, a soda and a juice and some sort of uh, sake. And, or alcohol, yeah. and uh, that most of that is not be uh, able to be sold in California, just because um, mm-hmm. the way it's marketed looks like it's marketed for like kids, I guess. The same way they can, or for a while they can sell like uh, yeah. Um, it's it's funny, like the federal government in America, they're like, uh, alcohol can't look like or be targeted to children, yeah. But yet there's you know pinnacle vodka that <laughs> is cotton candy flavor. It's right? like yeah. I don't understand this country sometimes yeah, and exactly. their regulations uh-huh. on certain things it just blows my mind <laughs> no we're on the same cotton page candy flavored liquor 100%. or vodka but you can't have Boy. a can that's full of color has cover- colors all over it that yeah. um looks like it's targeting towards because right? i believe the tobacco company in america kind of did something like that a while back um against camel cigarettes uh, i remember uh-huh. back in like 2007 2008 camel came out with like a short run of like flavored cigarettes they had like a strawberry flavored uh-huh. cigarette and a cinnamon flavored cigarette yeah. and stuff like that and they're like yo you can't do that slap uh, uh-huh. on the wrist you know yeah pay yeah. us a fine you're targeting children with those flavors <laughs> uh-huh. and it's like is it the flavors or is it the packaging because mm. it was really the packaging i it see was what just you mean like full of colors and stuff uh-huh. so I think maybe if uh, those Japanese companies like rebranded or repackaged the style right. of their products before they ship them to the U.S., there might be an opportunity for them to expand their market yeah. over here. Yeah, I could see that being the case. But basically, aside from those exceptions, the Japanese supermarkets I've seen in America have such an amazing variety of food that I would really see in Japan too. And I mean that makes sense because they do, yeah. you know, they cater to the Japanese American population here. And um, mm-hmm. I think the one last thing I would. T- but where you mm-hmm. get a, but where you get a Boss Coffee in Osaka for you know a hundred <laughs> yen, you're paying two ninety nine in America. Yes. For that same can. <laughs> <laughs> Boss Coffee. We one hundred percent see eye to that eye to eye on that, my friend. So good. Mm-hmm. We'll have to get them to sponsor us one day. We will. <laughs> oh, don't even. Uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Right. And the vent. So you get Boss Coffee mm-hmm. if you're listening. Yeah. If you're listening, Boss Coffee. Yeah. Email us at uh, Wes at Westmatha.com. Podcast. Or, yeah, podcast. Oh, at, there you go. Yeah. Email us at podcast at Westmatha.com to sponsor us with your coffee. Boss, well, all coffee in general, but we are talking about Boss. Um, they're sold in vending machines all over Japan. And then in the wintertime, they have the vending machines that get hot and they heat up your coffee and serve it to you like that mm. for the same price. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Uh huh. They do that with sake vending machines, right? Yeah. Because there are some uh-huh. sake vending machines and they'll be like warm in the winter. And yeah, yeah, exactly. The There's summer. a lot because I think so cool. food is very seasonable, <laughs> uh, seasonal in Japan. Everything from the kind of fish that uh, are more available for, in one season to another to uh, the kind of fruits that are available in one season to the other and hot meals and cold meals too. Like in the wintertime and the autumn time, um, all convenience stores will start selling this uh, food called oden, which is soup with uh, variant different uh a variant a variation of like noodles and tofu and uh different elements of soup that you kind of like create yourself and buy there and Mm. it's delicious and you only see it show up in um fall through winter and uh same with 
Um, another great food I'm gonna recommend that's specific to the colder times of the year, which would be uh, nabe. Nabe is a very social food. It's kind of similar to shabu shabu or hot pot, if people are familiar with that, where there's a soup base. Oh yeah. And then uh, it's social because you kind of have raw vegetables and meat, um, and then you just place it in at your own leisure, and then you take it out too when you feel like it's cooked to whatever suits your personal tastes. And it's a lot of people usually gathering for a nabe party or something like that is what it's called, nabe party. And it just sounds so festive. It's so much fun, and it's delicious to have very uh, variations of flavors for the soups, from kimchi flavor to uh, more traditional flavors, sukiyaki flavor. I'm a fan of all of it, and it yeah, it often comes with a good memory that's made, which I like too. Dude, for for memories like that in America, you're just looking at like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like, how often do you actually get <laughs> together with that like that closely to interact and eat with your family and friends, yeah. other than like certain holidays, you know? That's and that's point, just huh? like casually going out and eating with your friends in Japan. It's so yeah, I'm envious. I love it. I love the social elements of eating ways. in Japan, and they throw the word party on the back of several of these things. Takoyaki is a, a food it's an octopus uh dumpling kind of uh fried octopus dumpling mm. taco means octopus yaki means fried anyway uh you also have a takoyaki party where you have whatever machine kind of makes these fried little uh circular dumplings and yeah you make it with your friends you eat it at your leisure and it's really fresh good food usually not to mention affordable all your friends like throwing in like five bucks to uh all pay for the ingredients and cooking together is a great way for students to eat on a budget and have fun doing so which I like. Although it did take me a while to get used to eating octopus, uh, the texture, but I came to love it. And I do want to kind of talk about foods that were initially very surprising for me too when I went to Japan. Like what was the most surprising for you? So definitely starting off with octopus, which I just talked about. Um, I haven't seen octopus marketed in the States much at all outside of some fairly high-end seafood restaurants and like we talked about before too, uh, Japanese supermarkets. But it is very uh, prevalent in Japan in a lot of different meals. Uh, definitely takoyaki, which I talked about. It's um, mainly from Kansai, which is more southern eastern Japan, uh, Osaka, and those uh, prefectures surrounding Osaka. I came to love it, however, I first ordered it on mistake. Uh, getting takoyaki and the texture is kind of chewy. It's something I had to get used to but um, I, yeah, it's, it's really like amazing. Calamari. Yeah, yeah, exactly Uh-huh, and now it's a go-to affordable kind of like comfort food. I think uh, Not for me personally, but like it's a comfort food for a lot of my friends So the fact that I'm with them when they kind of like are in that comfort food eating kind of state I can get that atmosphere uh, I guess raw fish in general and raw food in general in Japan is uh, much more uh, widespread than I've seen in the states. I think that maybe for um, safety reasons, everything from raw chicken to uh, eating raw egg called uh, namatamago. Um, raw egg is often put on uh, beef bowls. It's often put with uh, any sort of like um, udon or anything like that too. It's safe to eat because of the immense care taken with uh, raising the chickens and how I guess the cleanliness of uh, their eggs so that any sort of disease or parasite won't be an issue as well as it is sanitized with uh, UV lights and stuff before served so that was initially something I did not expect to be served on my food but luckily I was with friends who uh, showed me kind of how to prepare my meal with the raw eggs once it was served to me and raw chicken too a similar process makes the raw chicken safe to eat however I have been warned for both raw eggs and chickens that uh, to be safe it's best to have them prepared by a chef uh, at a restaurant as opposed yeah. to buying them yourself and eating them so but both are delicious uh very fresh tasting and 
I'm a fan. I feel like raw chicken would be uh, just raw poultry in general would yeah. be something that I would definitely have a uh, difficulty eating yeah. at first. I will try it. I uh-huh. will definitely try. I'll try everything. Yeah. Once, at least, yeah. you know, that was my absolutely. mentality. I don't mind raw eggs. Raw eggs are fine. I've done it. <laughs> I've, Heck yeah. Hell, I used to put raw, I used to put farm fresh raw eggs in my uh, smoothies whenever I'd work out, you know, right. there we go. Um, there we go. Crack it open, throw it in my granola smoothie and drink Woo! it on my way to the gym. My guy, games. But, um, as for, poultry itself like uh-huh. the meat yeah i might struggle at first but at the same time i'm just as curious to try horse meat if i ever go to japan oh yeah you know Basashi. like yeah there's exactly yeah, yes uh-huh, it's good i th- i think that it would be phenomenal to try i've, I've heard nothing but good things yeah, about it uh-huh. and although in america that's highly frowned upon because of <laughs> just the cultural so. difference and the, yeah. the social or the social structures around how we think of horses um uh-huh. Yeah, I, I get that. They're just 100%. giant dogs that le- jump around until they break a leg and we can put them down. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blue in America. There we go. But uh, um, you know, Japan had to deal with uh, horses ju- in a different way, mm-hmm. and um, whenever it got to the point where the there was so many horses in Japan for the longest period of time because of samurai, they uh-huh. didn't know what to do with them, and so it was actually designated to like one prefecture to. Um, just pretty much make it food. They said, "Hey, we want to make up food. We'll we'll chop it up." Wow, I didn't know that. And they'll, uh, yeah, and yeah. that's 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 essentially how it all started yeah. in Japan. Like uh-huh. one prefecture said, "We will do it," and they're like, "Okay," and they right. sent all the horses there whenever cars started becoming more and more prevalent in Japan. Wow, and that is so interesting. it became like an actual delicacy, a dish that is still to this day being yeah. served in Japan. Yeah, exactly. I and, see it at uh, supermarkets and all over the place. And mm-hmm. I like your mentality too. I That was a similar mentality I kind of tried to um, adopt when I went to Japan is I would try, I would give a sh- every uh, food source, I would try everything once, I think. as I mean, this yeah. does not include things I had moral uh, objections to, like anything that was endangered or anything like that. Um, but uh, or anything that was I felt harvested in a inhumane way, particularly. But um, I did try uh, the raw horse meat, the raw chicken meat because of this. Both were really good. A very different experience. More of a tangy, kind of a spicy flavor. I think with uh, some horseradish on the side and often served with lemon with yeah. the raw chicken. But it was great. And um, natto is, I think, a food in Japan, which is uh, natto is fermented soybeans, and I think that's one of the uh, foods that's popular in Japan. Very healthy. Uh, very affordable that but it is very different and it's a big barrier for a lot of people in the west to get used to and try but i did came come to like it too um it has a very sticky texture you, and it has a smell it has a scent to it too that is uh yeah you, you can't knock it till you try it i mean yeah uh-huh. i lived with russian immigrants for a while yeah back in like 2009 2010 uh-huh. live with them for several months and they had me try stuff i thought was absolutely bizarre i was like there's mm-hmm. no way you guys eat this and yeah. i've tried cow brain cow tongue cow testicle no i don't know what it there is go. i was like of all the parts of a cow that you want me to eat mm-hmm. those are the last things i would <laughs> think of wanting to eat and you guys are eating them like on a regular you know you like a delicacy like yeah, and nothing wasted um I, although I wasn't a fan of the brain or the testicles, yep. I was most definitely a fan of the tongue. I was surprised. Uh, it's a little bit more tough and chewy, I feel. but uh-huh. if it's cooked properly, it's 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 actually pretty good. Yes. And I mean, it's it's no different than really 
every country has like something that seems bizarre in America and vice yeah. versa to them. Absolutely. How we eat our food. If you 100%. went down to Belize and so, you know South America, there's people living out there near the jungles that are eating howler monkeys. You know, yeah. it just varies where you are. It's yeah. just uh, uh-huh. the way of life in that location. So. Exactly. Very much. A Don't be thing. closed-minded to food. Always keep your mind open to food. Always yeah. try everything once. I love that mentality. Like, you're not living if you don't. There we go. And I, I love kowtowing myself too. <laughs> I came to like it at uh, eating uh, barbecue in Japan, yakiniku or Japanese barbecue. Yeah, it's it great. It's 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 really good. Right. I'm sure that you. I, I'm I'm sure that you've tried it and you're like, this is really good. And then you tried it prepared by someone else and you're like that wasn't as good as last time yeah but it always comes back around you're like all right it's still really good <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely uh-huh. yeah and i love the mentality because that happened to things. me <laughs> right okay we had the same process i was I, I was like i'm glad that the first time i tried it wasn't prepared wrong like one of the other times uh-huh. i tried it because uh-huh. i probably wouldn't have tried it again but uh-huh. i'm glad uh-huh. the first time it was prepared for me it was prepared properly and it, it was delicious so mm. luck was on your side i like that yeah yeah <laughs> i would say I'll, I'll wrap up by saying i do think the most wild food i did have in japan was fugu um which is the uh blowfish sushi or sashimi mm. raw blowfish but it's just if it's prepared incorrectly it is a, a very poisonous a deadly poisonous meal so that that was something i think uh you know taste and everything aside which it was delicious it was expensive for hopefully good reasons uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it was a one-time experience. Um, it was ordered for me by a client. We went out for dinner afterwards, and uh, I got used to a lot of raw uh, sushi that I hadn't tried before. Uni, like sea urchin, and um, different uh, kinds of seafood eaten raw. I really came to enjoy a lot of it. Same, similar with natto, yeah. and similar with which you talked about. I did try it a couple different times to kind of acquire the taste, and I did so kind of purposefully just because I saw people I enjoy, my friends enjoyed it so much that I did. I kind of wanted to. Um, just see like you said too it can be one flavor one way once prepared a certain way and then a different experience once preferred are prepared another way so i wanted to get the spectrum of the flavor but uh fugu which is that blowfish i think that's a one-time thing and that doesn't come from mistrusting the chef or anything like when it was ordered i think it was about 70 dollars for uh for one plate of this food the, so uh, if you're gonna get yeah. if you're gonna get fugu, yeah, it better be expensive or don't buy. Yes, <laughs> right. It, and I uh-huh. I say that because the reason is if you go somewhere and it is expensive, then they have a proper chef preparing it. Now, a uh, sushi chef takes roughly anywhere between seven to nine years as an apprentice before mm-hmm. they're allowed to go out there and serve on their own. Yeah, um, professionally and uh-huh. culinary arts as for a fugu sushi that that dish alone takes them almost five years of practicing that specific dish at That's least wild. five years and thank goodness like you're for- literally spending a bachelor's degrees worth of time <laughs> <laughs> learning how to prepare and yeah. serve one fish to the masses you wow. know That's crazy and when you if put it's it expensive way. you have to think about how much time and energy and sheer dedication and yes. professional yeah. professionalism was put into preparing that dish. Uh-huh. If you go somewhere and it's cheap, then they don't take that seriously and mm-hmm. uh, you know that profession seriously, and they they're not. I'm I'm going to say yeah. no. Preach, you 100%. Know, absolutely I'm, not. I'm yeah. with you fully on that. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Um, the, the chef came out and showed um a degree uh, that I couldn't read it at the time, but I'm assuming a degree of some 
uh, completion under a, a mentor, a sushi chef mentor. Um, and then, yeah, they it was delicious and an experience, and I have survived. Um, so <laughs> that was something that was very interesting that I... There's um, your proof, kids. For. If you go to Japan <laughs> and you want to buy some fugu sushi and it's expensive and you're worried whether or not you're going to come out of it alive Wes is still here he's talking to us hold right on now. he's I don't fine know if I want to set that example I don't know if I want that on my contest <laughs> but but yeah that was it and you know that was uh that's a surface level exploration of Japanese food some basics some generalizations of some stuff uh overall I love Japanese food it's amazing I love the adaptations of other cultures food in Japan and like we talked about too with Brandon I love Jap- uh, Japanese food adapted into other cultures too and how that's how that's handled mm-hmm. so as i do like food in general and this was a fun topic and uh, anything else you have absolutely to add, no but don't be surprised everybody if we do another special about food because let's be <laughs> honest we can do this all day yeah every day uh-huh. uh there's so much that there is to offer in regards to food in japan you, you yes. can live there the rest of your life and still experience new flavors mm. every so day so true 100 percent each prefecture has uh, foods that they're famous for. Each prefecture has foods that they're evolving upon and are creating new vari- variants of, and I love it. And yeah, that's a great point. And if you do have questions too, please feel free to reach out uh, to us at podcast at westmatha.com and we'll be answering questions. Or if you have a, sh- a story you would like to share about your own experiences uh, traveling, yes. experiencing new foods, or uh, anything Japan-related too, please uh, link up with us and we'd love to maybe share your voice on the podcast share your story on the podcast absolutely yes um yeah we want to hear stories please send us some, some submissions also if you have any questions or comments or even suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast about yes, any other topic definitely reach out to us for that as well there we go and with that we conclude season one episode 11 of the travel japan with west mather podcast we are here with our ho- co-host brandon bates And we are rolling into our final episode of the season next week, which I'm very excited about, and we'll be streaming it live. Uh, So please send in those comments, questions. We'll address them then. And uh, then, you know, we have new things coming for you all in season two. So I hope you're just as as excited about that as we are. And uh, excited for season two. Yeah, we are on Twitter. um, Wes Mather, Brandon Bates on Twitter. And uh, we are also on TikTok and... uh, other socials so please feel free to reach out to us there and yes and youtube as well so um enjoy your early spring hope everyone is staying safe during the pandemic and safe travels tentatively for when this when it's allowed for this coming year and goodbye